Have a good time, Nate. Amen. It's a good boy right there. Kid's going to take over the church in probably five years, so. <laughs> Morning, Tone. How we doing, buddy? Good to see you. Thank you. As Brother Joe says, it's good to be seen and not viewed. Amen. You're bright, Joe. <laughs> Hey, Aiden, how we doing, buddy? Amen. All right. Uh, you know, Sarah's not here today. Sarah's home, not feeling well, so keep her in your prayers. Ethan's here, and uh, he'll be running home after church to make sure she's uh, doing okay. She was sick under the weather and uh, still better than she was, but she decided to stay home and continue to get rest. So we ask your prayers for Sarah as well this morning, and uh, appreciate that. All right. First John, chapter number five in your Bible this morning. You cold, Miss Ciela? You cold? Are you cold? Oh, okay. You're bundled up over there. Okay. Miss Alicia, when's your due date? Tomorrow. <laughs> Alicia's got jokes. <laughs> Amen. I like it. February 20th. Okay. Coming up fast. All right. And uh, good deal. And uh, Elise and Josh are not here. No, she's she doing February as well? March. So Sarah and, and them are March. And, and Sandra, when is Sandra doing, Brother Jorge? Sandra, when is Sandra doing? March? Okay. It'll be a crazy month. Crazy month's coming up. All these babies. Yeah, well, the men and I were talking about that yesterday in the van, about these women having babies and what a blessing it is. I'm like, it is a blessing, but as a man, it's like, praise God, I don't have to do it, amen? It's, but you, God designed you ladies to like doing that, and uh, we'd be one and done, amen? I just, <laughs> if you, a lot less people on planet Earth than men had to go through that, and let's have another one. Like, serious? But praise the Lord how God made and wired people. In 1 John chapter number 5, you found that place, and we start reading in verse number 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For, what, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that jesus is the son of god this is he that came by water and blood even jesus christ not by water only but by water and blood and it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth there are for there are three that bear record in heaven the father the word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 
He that believeth not God hath made himself a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the church this morning gathering and, and, and being here. We pray, dear Lord, that what we say from this point forward will encourage, challenge, and convict and help the saints of God. We ask, dear Lord, that those who are here today who may not know you are not sure of salvation, they'll understand the gospel and it'll be very plain and clear. Father, the songs that were sung, the choir and the congregational songs have encouraged and challenged us. And we thank you for music, dear Lord, that you have created and designed, that we can sing praises to you and lift up our voice and be encouraged by it, challenged, and even uh, convicted at some points. Now bless all those who teach and labor with the children, whether downstairs or next door, and help them, Lord, as they minister the gospel to them. And bless now with those who are sick and cannot be amongst us this morning, from Miss Yesenia to Miss Sarah and others, Lord, who were unable to show up today. Be with them and, and encourage them and give healing to their bodies. And I pray, dear Lord, you'll help me to say only that which must be said and, and focus on the scriptures, that the saints and the church may be fed here this morning. Bless us now and help us as we ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we continue, is what John is encouraging the church, <clears throat> and we are reminding you again, John is dealing with false teachers, the teaching of Gnosticism. Uh, it's a false theology on the person of Christ. And he is stressing over and over and over again faith in Jesus Christ. In verse number one, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's a abbreviated statement. John has already covered territory. He's not going to spend the next chapter reiterating what he's already said. So it's a it's a it's a, a thought and a lot put together into one complete package on that you are believing in the true person of Jesus Christ. I was flipping the channels the other night, and, and if you're like me, I, I, I go through the channels or these, you know, these things trying to find something to watch sometimes, and an hour later, it's like, there's still nothing to watch. It's all garbage, 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 garbage. And, and I, I stopped and paused for a second because one documentary caught my... And, and uh, by the way, just because it's a documentary doesn't make it so. You're getting a bias. Most documentaries always have a bias of the, of, the, uh, of the person. And I saw one documentary entitled, When Did Jesus Become God? And so I read the description, and, and it's basically, uh, when did the idea of Jesus become God become popular with the church? And, and we'll st I said, this is garbage, too, because it's not based on the word of God. This is, again, that's Gnosticism. You're seeing Gnosticism alive and well, and, and, and right there on the TV, to, and you say, oh, uh, oh, it was a, you know, 1320-some guy in, in, in Bulgaria came up with this, and, and, you, and you, oh, yeah, that's when he became God. No, it's, it, it became, he became God when he manifested himself, and John declares it to be so, and the, and the entire Bible declares him to be God. Not some man 200, 300, or, 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 or 2,000 years ago declared it. God declared it to be so through the Scriptures. And so John is encouraging the church, reminding them of, of that, again, you're having faith in the one that we've already declared, that Jesus Christ 
that he is the Christ, he is God manifested in the flesh, the one that we've seen and touched and talked to, that, that person, when you believe upon him, and when you believe upon him, you, you, you're born again by the Spirit of God. Now, what he's trying to stress and, and what he's pointing out and what he has pointed out in this is the, the evidence of the new birth. How do I know I've been saved? How do I know I've been born again by the Spirit of God? Because, again, it's not by emotions. We don't get a, an electrical flow through us the day that you got born again. You don't get happy thoughts and, and life becomes wonderful because you've been born again. We're born again by the Spirit of God who now indwells us. And the, the, the proof of us being born again is by the, by the Spirit of God working in us and what He manifests in our life. <clears throat> and uh, don't worry, I'm not sick. I just got a frog in my throat here, but, but we'll be fine. <clears throat> we'll let uh, Miss Rachel go to work here, amen? Rachel gets paid big bucks to do these things, amen, Rachel? Amen. What a blessing. So again, the... The, the, the Bible teaches us, in, in, first, in John's gospel, he says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God. The day that you believe upon Jesus Christ is the day that you became a child of God. And you believed upon the right person. Again, there's many Christs out there. Every group has a Christ that they present to you. And you have to make sure that you are being presented the right Christ, the Christ that's found in the Bible, the, the, the Christ that you find in scriptures, not the one that somebody has invented or reinvented or reinterpreted. When we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, when we have trusted in him, we believe in his, uh, the sufficiency of his death, burial, and resurrection because we know that we are incapable of saving ourselves and must rest solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we believe that, we have been born again by the Spirit of God. But I want to, I, I need to evidence though. <clears throat> I want to see, well, how do I know that I've been saved? Well, again, we base it upon the Word of God. Because Scripture tells me so. The name escapes me right now, but there is a, uh, it'll come to me at 3 o'clock this morning, and I'll text you when I, when I, when I remember it. But there was a, a preacher many years ago who was a notorious drunkard, bad alcoholic. And uh, one day he heard the gospel and was gloriously saved. And he began to start rescue missions to reach the, the drunkards of America. Because America is a drunken nation, by the way. It still is. And he began to give the gospel to the drunkards. And one day somebody asked him, how do you know that you're saved. I mean, you preach this gospel. I think it was George True. It was his name. I might be wrong on that. But how do you know you're saved? And his answer was, I was there when it happened. <laughs> My friend, that's the one, most wonderful. I was there when it happened. How do you know you're saved? I was there when I asked Jesus to save me, and Jesus saved me. Well, what we can ask, well, what's the evidence of our salvation? Well, what he's saying in verse number one, and what he's telling us is that we know we're saved because we love those who have also been saved. We love those who have been born again like we have been born again. Now, he has stressed this in chapter number 4, but he's, again, in verse number 1, I find one of those verses that I have to read slowly, carefully, 
And, and sometimes back up. You ever read a verse like that or read something? It's like, wait a minute, I have to process that in my brain because there's a whole lot going on in there. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Simply put, you love, you know you're saved because you love other people who have been saved. You love the same people who have been born again the same way you have been born again. So again, we come to the foundation. Jesus Christ is the foundation of our salvation. There is no other foundation. There is no other way of salvation. You will go across the street, and I'm sorry, but they will tell you that salvation is found through the Roman Catholic Church and the partaking of the Eucharist. And that's where salvation is found. There's no salvation apart from, from Rome. That's a lie. Salvation is found in the person of Christ, not in an institution, not in, a, not in a one particular church. I had a Catholic priest stand in my house when I was a small boy. And, uh, and my father was a Catholic. My mother was not. My mother was a uh, Protestant. And uh, she debating with the Catholic priest there. And, and my mother said, you mean to tell me because I'm not Roman Catholic, I'm not going to heaven. And he basically said, yes, you're not going to heaven because you're not Roman Catholic. My friend, you only go to heaven because you have put faith in what the Bible says is the person of Christ. Not because you joined up and signed up and became part of a group. That's not how it, you... Many people are going to go to hell because they put faith in Rome. Many people in the Baptist circles will die and go to hell because they put faith in a church and not in Jesus Christ. Christ is the sole source here. Now, so again, our faith is evident and we know we're saved and we have, this is a proof of our saved because we genuinely care for other born-again believers. We have concerns for other born-again believers because the same spirit that indwells them is the same spirit that indwells us. And the spirit is not going to hate somebody else. Again, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me. You're saved. You have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. Do you think for one minute that and it's the same spirit, by the way. He's not multiple spirits. It's one spirit. How is that possible? It's God. That's a God thing. God indwells. He's not going to, you need to hate that person over there. But the, the spirit that indwells him, he loves him. No, it's, that's all nonsense. We have a, an affection towards one another. You can go around the world and meet people from all around the world, and when they're saved, you have a, a, a bond with them. Your spirit bears witness with their spirit, that they're children of God. And that even though the, there may be a language barrier and cultural differences, you still have a love and affection for each other because you're both children of God. I want us to look at some, some in, two important things we want to draw to your attention. First, a person who's born of God loves God. If you're saved, you cannot help but love God. That's evident. I love God. Why? Because I'm saved. Part of my salvation helps me to love God. That's what salvation does. The Spirit of God gives me this love for God. When I was lost, I did not have an affection for God nor the things of God. 
It's like falling in love. You see a girl or a guy, you really don't know who they are. You may care and, and try to help them on the street with something. But when you fall in love with them, now there's this bond that I really want to do everything I can to get to know this person, to be a help, an encouragement, and be a blessing to them because I'm now in love with them. And when we love God, when we get saved, we love God, which draws me to God. I want to know more about Him. I want to know more about His Word and, and, what he, and, uh, and who He is. I have letters that are 100 years old from ancestors of mine. And if they were not my ancestors, I really would not care what those letters said. But for years in our family, we did not know what those letters said because they were in the Swedish language, so I, we didn't know. We didn't know anybody Swedish who could translate them, and we didn't have Google Translate back then. But here's a problem also. Using Google Translate did not help me to understand those letters because it was written in the old Swedish language, which Google Translate did not know, so they were still foreign to me. But I wanted to know what all these letters that my great-grandfather had. Who were they to? What are they saying? What's going on? And finally able to find somebody in Sweden and, and become friends with them through the Internet. They were able to take those letters, translate them. And when I opened those letters for the first time, I was hearing the voice of my great-grandmother and, and great-uncles and even the voice of my great-grandfather seeing their heart, their loves, their desires, their pains, their sorrows, and all that they were going through. And it meant a great deal to me and very emotional as I was able to read these letters for the first time for anybody in our family for 60 or 70 years, nobody's able to read these letters. Well, the child of God is saved. He wants to know the letter from God. He wants to know what his God has to say because the Spirit of God inside him will draw him to it. I want to know more about my God, who he is, what's he like, and, and desire to, to know him. So when we, again, we could say we can't help but love God, and God does this most wonderful thing for him when he creates us a new creature in Christ. Remember, you get saved, you're a new creature in Christ. Stop worrying about the old creature and his sinful natures and all the crazy things. Don't let those things depress you, discourage you, and, and keep you down because God has crucified and killed that old man and God gave you a new man. And that new man who dwells, dwells inside you, he creates this creature and and this new creature we have will forever live in the presence of Almighty God. When we really think about what God has done for us in Christ and that God has sacrificed Christ for us, our hearts should flood with joy of what God has done for us, that God loved me so much that he gave his son and Christ paid what I could not pay. Oftentimes in life, and, and, I, and listen, you've done it, I've done it, we've often paid for for things for somebody who could not pay. Somebody who was struggling, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And uh, I often joke with the kids, you know, we'll take care of kids. And, and they say, Pastor, are you sure? I said, yes, it's fine. We'll take care of it now for you. Why are you doing that, Pastor? And I joke, this is my standard joke, by the way, so it, I don't have any new material. I just, I tell the kids, listen, someday when I'm old and homeless because Renee threw me out, <laughs> you'll see me and say, you know what, that guy bought me an ice cream one time and let me help him out. And, uh, <laughs> and that may happen, but yeah, I, that's just a standard joke I say with the kids. Well, why do I really buy the kid an ice cream? Why do we do any? Why do you do it? Because our love and affection and Christ who dwells within us wants to do something when it lies within us to do it. We're new creatures. 
And so we want to be a blessing. We want to help. God has loved me. God has done something. God has paid for what I could not pay for. Let me do something to bless somebody else. When we get alone and we meditate and we read our Bible and we meditate on the love of God and what God has done for us, and again, you ought to take time to read your Bible. You ought to take time to meditate in the Word of God. If you have time to check your Facebook, your Instagram, your TikToks, and, 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 and whatever else is out there these days, if you have time to, to, to click on the news and watch the world fall apart and, and yell and scream at the TV, and, and, and all those things, you, you ought to have time to spend in the Word of God and meet with Jesus. And when you open your Bible, as honestly and a sincere heart, you say, Dear God, I need help to understand this book today. Because humanly speaking, I cannot understand and comprehend your truths. So, Spirit of God, I confess my helplessness to understand anything. But you're my teacher. You're my guide. You're my friend within. Bless the Spirit of God. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous truths from thy word this morning. And meet with God and confess your helplessness. And you'll be amazed what God does for you if you'll just spend time with him. We must meditate on the truths of scriptures. A person who loves God will love other believers. Again, why? Because God has given other believers a spiritual birth as well. I've already stated that and emphasize it again. We love others because they've experienced the same birth that we have experienced. Isn't it amazing? We've all experienced human birth, but it doesn't mean we love each other. But we have the same spiritual birth. Now this love is shed abroad in our hearts that we care for each other. Why? We have the same God. We have the same Father. We have the same rebirth. We have the same divine nature. We have the same adoption. We have experienced the same justification. We've experienced the same sanctification. We've experienced that we're all going to go to heaven. We all have these things in common with each other. So the point is that we've seen last week, we see this morning, is that we, we love one another. If we have truly been born again, the love of God, that again, we'll have a love for the entire family of God. My kids joke, Ethan's here, he's sitting right here, he jokes that Melanie is the favorite. And <laughs> Melanie is our favorite daughter, amen? Right. Ethan's our second favorite daughter. And, uh, <laughs> But uh, we love all of our children the same. Now, Ethan's experience, he's going to have a, a, a son, and if God blesses, they'll have another child. There will not be any favorites. I always joke, our family always joked that who was the favorite in our family, and, and uh, we all know it was me. I was the favorite, amen. But uh, we always, who's the favorite? Parents don't love. They may show favoritism because one child is more obedient and does more, and so the parent may favor that child. It doesn't mean they don't love the other ones, except you keep aggravating me and not doing anything I tell you to do while this one over here is bending over backwards to be a blessing and they're not doing it because they're trying to, there's some, I can't use that expression, you know, the expression I want to use, but it's not a good expression, but they're not doing it to suck up. They're just doing it because they, they generally want to be a blessing to their parents. Amen? So there's always that one in the crowd. And then there's that other kid, that the, the, the Eddie Haskell in the family who's just sucking up the, and, but behind the scenes, they're, 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 they're the real troublemaker. But, in either case, a parent loves their children all the same. They're, they're, you're my flesh and blood. I love you all and care for you. Well, my friend, as children of God, we love each other. We care for each other. True believers love one another. He says in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and keep his commandments. The second proof of the new birth is obedience. A person who's born of God loves and keeps his commandments. And Jesus says here in these verses that, again, his commandments are not grievous. In Matthew's gospel, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know what the yoke is. That yoke is that wooden structure that goes on the back of the oxen's neck and, and joins them together. And that's a wooden bar with, with the two metal hoops that go under the oxen's neck, and that's the yoke. And it, and it keeps the oxen walking together so that one doesn't go off in one direction, so they're tied together. And Jesus says, listen, when you're walking with me, my yoke is easy. It's not some burdensome, heavy thing. I'm not asking you to do anything difficult. You know, sin has consequences. Sin is difficult. Sin causes pain. Sin has a heavy price tag. But serving Christ has no price tag. There is no serious consequences for serving Jesus Christ. If we really believe God, if we're saved, again, we keep his commandments. Again, this doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we never sin and, and we're constantly doing right all the time. But there is this desire within us now because of our new nature, the Spirit of God, this new birth, that I desire to do what God tells me to do. Hey, let's go here. I don't think I ought to go there. Hey, let's do this. I don't think I ought to do this. Hey, let's partake of this. I don't think I ought to partake of this. Why? I just, it's wrong. What do you mean it's wrong? Well, God says it's wrong, and I don't want to displease my Savior. I want to please my Savior. She downstairs. Downstairs. She's, they, they, they listen downstairs. They have a microphone. I, got to, I should turn this thing. I don't know. What's that? Yeah, the kids are loud. Amen. Every woman in this place will understand this story, and every man will understand. Every married man will understand. I first got married. Ray and I were in our apartment. We were probably a, a month into marriage. The phone rang, and back then it was it was we were psychos back then. Phones rang. We just picked them up without having no clue who was on the other end. We, it was so dangerous back then. We didn't have to, you know, screen it with 10,000 things. We just, hello? And, and waited for the reply. Like, either, either, yay, or it's, <laughs> And so I picked it up, and hello? And, hey, man, how you doing? Heard you got married. And Renee's like, there's some girl I dated a while ago calling to congratulate me. I'm like, yeah, I got married again. Yeah, I got to go by. <laughs> and she never called back. And he's like, how'd she get our number? Do you give her a A friend of mine gave them. I'm like, don't ever do that psycho stuff. But like, you find it hard to believe that I actually dated somebody before Renee. But, and by the way, any girl you ever dated prior to your wife was ugly. That's how it is. I mean, you, you dated her? Ew. <laughs> what were you thinking? I, I, I was waiting for you, and I was blinded. Amen. So, <laughs> Robert, amen. <laughs> Let's just back to preach, brother. <laughs> Pentecostals coming out, amen. <laughs> Got a handkerchief waving back there. All right, so that's how it is. So, I quickly hung up and and. Uh, I don't know how she called. I don't know why she called. I don't know. I, 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 please, it's just, it's just one of those things. My wife was jealous for something. You can see why. Amen. Where was I going with that story? I got so sidetracked here. I'm going to back up a little bit here. Heather, where was I going with that story? What was I saying? 
you know, either. <laughs> but when we love God, I'll find and figure it out eventually where I was, but when we love God, we, we want to know Him and we want to serve Him and, 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 and please our Savior. If we keep His commandments and, and, and love Him. Now, verse 2, do we really love God if we keep His commandments? That's how we, I, I know I love God. Now again, maybe this is where I was going with that story, but told, I, I married my wife and, and uh, I promised to forsake all others. And when that girl called, it threw me for a loop. I wasn't looking to talk to her or rekindle anything. But I, I'm keeping myself to my wife. And so I don't talk to these, the thousands that were in my past. Amen? <laughs> you, you understand, Tony. Amen? got to get a stick. It meant back off. Back off. <laughs> then my, that's my wife's like, then you woke up. <laughs> Verse 2 says, again, our, our obedience and love for God proves that we love God and that we are the children of God. And God commands us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, if we obey God, we must love them. If we love God, then we obey him and we love one another. A person really has no choice because, again, if a person is going to love God, he must obey God, and he must obey by loving the other children of God. All of them, no all of them matter, no matter who they are. Again, we meet people in walks of life, and there's all types of people, but we, they're saved. We have an affection towards them because they are a child of God. Our obedience to God proves our love. You look at verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Keeping God's commandments proves, again, that we love God, that we are loving God, that we possess love for God, and that we lift up our hearts in love to God. There's no other way to show God that we love him except by doing what he says. I can tell my wife I love her all day long, but I better be demonstrating it in my actions, not my words only. I have a friend of mine, and uh, he's a preacher now, but he says early on in his marriage, he, he, was, he was a Christian, but he not a really good Christian. He was just a Christian, and, and, uh, and he was just, wasn't very kind to his wife. And he'd be unkind, and he apologized. He'd be unkind, and he apologized. He'd be unkind, and he apologized. And say, I'm sorry, I love you. And, and one day she said, you know what? Your, your actions are speaking a lot louder than your words. And he says, well, like a knife to my heart, and I realized what I was doing to my wife. And I was not being kind to my wife. And he said, I changed my ways. God helped me to change. And now I do, try not to do anything to hurt my wife and say anything to hurt my wife. I want to be kind to my wife. doesn't mean we always agree, but we are kind to each other. And when we're saved, when we're born again by the Spirit of God, I want to love God and, and do things that are pleasing to Him. And there's no other way that I can demonstrate that by... But except what he says here, keeping his commandments. Jesus said, again, you come unto me, he gives us what? Rest. Rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, again, I want you to understand that verse is not talking to the lost world. Jesus is addressing the believers in Matthew chapter number 11, where we find that verse. And so it's important that the believer finds rest. We all appreciate rest. We all work hard. 
uh, coming home and, 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 and getting rest and, and finding ourselves crashing on a couch or chair and, and just relaxing. We all need to do that from time to time. But we need spiritual rest from our things that disturb us, from pain we go through and, and sufferings. And Jesus said, again, promises us that he gives us rest. I can rest in God. I can know that my God will take care of me. Now, Jesus Christ never allows a trial or a temptation to come upon a person what that person is able to bear. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Keep your place here in John. You know the verse, but I want you to see it because it's important that you find it in your Bible, know where to find it, maybe underline it and mark it. And I like underlining things in my Bible because it reminds me of something I read previously. I like writing in my Bible because it reminds me of truths that I may have forgotten and, and things that help me and encourage me. So don't, uh, I have a wide margin Bible. I also have a, a large print wide margin Bible because I'm blind and I, want, I like to write in the margins. And so again, don't think you're going to ruin your Bible or God gets mad because you write in it. The sign of a healthy soul is a well-worn Bible. And a person ought to go through several Bibles in their lifetime. Just wear them out. They're printing new ones and you can get a new one when, they, when it wears out. And by the way, they're good for your family. When you leave this earth, they'll have your Bible. They won't have your iPad. They won't have your cell phone, but they'll have your Bible. And they'll see it marked up, tear-stained, and things written in there, and it'll be precious to your children and grandchildren in, in generations to come. So mark your Bible, write in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, he says, There hath no temptation you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And you ought to mark those four words. God, but God is faithful. And God's always faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? But with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be to bear it. You say, I can't bear what I'm going through. My friend, God made you a promise that he's faithful. And what you're going through, he'll en enable you to endure whatever it is you're struggling with today. Jesus Christ gives a person the greatest hope in the world. That we can keep our eyes upon him. Again, the Bible's filled with so many wonderful promises. I, I've never done this, but I've known men who've done it. They've highlighted their Bibles, and they've used different highlighters to mean different things. If, they, if they, they'll highlight in a certain color, if it's a prayer promise, they'll use a, a yellow highlighter if it means this type of uh, blessing. And, they, and they've done that with their Bibles, and, and nothing wrong with that. It encourages you. So if you look at my Bible, you see something highlighted in orange or something highlighted in, 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 in yellow. It simply means that was the highlighter closest to me at that point in time. There's no spiritual significance behind it. What's the pastor's code behind this? No, there ain't no code. It's just, but I've known people who have that coded system, and it works for them. Whatever works for you, my friend, whatever works for you, we all have our little systems that we do things by. So God, God gives the true believer here this promises. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. One of the greatest problems in life is when we are not with people we love. Separation hurts. We, don't, we want to be with people. When death takes somebody from us, that death hurts us because we want to be with that person. We miss being with that person. How many times we, I've lost somebody in my life, and you think, and uh, you see somebody, oh, i got to, uh, oh, i got to call my mom today. I saw so-and-so today. No, I can't call mom. Mom's not here anymore. That, you, you do that like for the first year afterwards. It's like, 
I got to tell my mom who I saw today, no, if I can't do that. Or what's really scary sometimes when you see somebody that resembles somebody that you love and passed away. It's like, oh, my soul. You start double-checking, make sure it ain't them. I saw a guy in the post office. He looked like my brother Chester. He was actually bouncing like my brother Chester. He had this crazy thing he would always do with his feet. He always knew which sneakers were his because his sneakers were always turned up from him, bouncing on the balls of his, of his things there. So, and so I, I can imitate my brother Chester. Hey, Matt, what's going on? What, 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 what hymns are we singing today? I don't know. What do you want to sing? <laughs> Let's do the old rugged cross. Okay, we can do the old rugged cross. So I got in the post office. It's not him. <laughs> that would freak me out. But he says, I'll, and I, listen, I can't explain it, and you may understand this. I, I want to see Jesus. <laughs> I want to be with Jesus. How can I want to be with somebody I've never seen? I want to see heaven. I want to know what heaven looks like. How can I be homesick for a place I've never been? How is it possible I'm homesick for a God who loves me that I've never seen? Well, I am. Because <laughs> the Spirit inside of me is homesick for those things. He don't like this world either. He wants to go home. Someday he's going to take us home. The trumpet's going to sound one day, my friend. It's getting closer, by the way. <laughs> getting very close to when the trumpet's going to sound and take us home. So God gives all true believers his spirit, and the spirit gives us assurance. It gives us confidence. It gives us security. It gives us the, the, the love, the joy, the peace that uh, one could ever need or want. The believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit of God has this assurance in their life. The Bible says in Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We have these promises. God gives the true believer fellowship with himself and with Christ. I can fellowship with God. You ever go to a place where you really don't know anybody, you just kind of like stand there? It's like, I went to Maine many years ago, back in around 2004. I was invited to a, a pastor's conference up there, and, and I registered. And uh, when I got my name tag, I put my name tag on there at the conference, and hardly anybody talked to me. I'm like, why are these preachers not talking to me? I'm kind of, kind of mingling around trying to talk to anybody. And, and, and people, some guys are talking to me, and they kind of walk away. And I'm like, well, it must be a Maine thing. They're all weird up here anyway. So it's, you know, it's just something. You know, it's just it's a beautiful state, absolutely gorgeous state. But let's, let's face it, there's something in the water up there. And, uh, <laughs> right, Ethan? And uh, so I, I get back to my room that night, throw my name tag on the thing. It says, Matt Swikowski, missionary. I said, that's why they're avoiding me. All these pastors think I'm a missionary. <laughs> that's a little trade secret because he's, like, he's a missionary. Everybody, hey, have me in. Give me money. And so pastors like see missionary. They're all, and it's like, oh, man, they think I'm a missionary. That's why nobody's talking to me. I hope that's why. And uh, so I, I crossed out missionary on my name tag the next day and, and finally made some friends. They're like, hey! And then they were welcome back in the circle there. And so <laughs> that's frustrating. So nothing against any missionaries watching here, but we just want to come and be a blessing, brother. I can't afford any more blessings, okay? You guys are killing me. Now, <laughs> a little trade secret there inside the church circles, amen? We don't want you to do nothing, brother. I don't want nothing. Okay, now. Let me get back to the Bible here. We love them, but we just, anyway. <laughs> Help me out of this mess. I just, this, 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 this hole I just dug. <laughs> it's a truthful hole, but I just probably shouldn't have dug it. Let's pray for Missions Month. That's coming up. We've got to pray for these missionaries and the work that they're doing around God, around the world. They need our prayers and, and our support. Amen? Now. Trying to be serious here. 
verse 4 and 5. That was the trumpet warming up, amen. I was getting ready to go. <laughs> you know, one day we want to do, we just ought to throw some clothes around the building and go next door. So when those who come in late walk in, they just think we, it's, they missed it, amen. <laughs> we, we, we ought to do that one day, amen. <laughs> Scared Naira half to death, amen. <laughs> Verse number four, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, as Christians, a third proof of the new birth is that we are overcoming the world. These two verses that we see here, we memorize these verses, we should memorize them, because at some point in time... In our life, we're going to need the scriptures. The person who over, who's born overcomes the world. What does it mean to overcome the world? It means, again, there's a temptation. I won't give it any temptation. No, you're, we're going to sin. It's not meaning we'll never, ever sin. It means we've overcome this world. It means that we're going to heaven. This world is not going to keep us. We're not, going to, we don't, we're not attached to this system of this world. And, and, and the ruler of it. Who's the ruler of this world? But Satan. We've overcome the one who controls this world. That's the victory we have. Again, I, I, I vote. I get involved. I do what I can. But I, at the end of the day, I realize this is, it's all a sinking ship. And it's, it belongs to Satan. And I'm waiting for Jesus to come one day and, and to take me home. And when he'll finally return and, and reclaim his creation. The victory is that we overcome. And how do we overcome this? Well, it's faith. Salvation is found through faith, not by doing. And again, all of these things that we see here in Scripture is not us producing them, but it's God who indwells us produces these things. God does these things for us. It's His Spirit inside of us. The person who overcomes the world is the person who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God the person who's been born again by the Spirit of God. Now again, the, the theme of these two verses is victory of the saints over the world. That means the believer is loyal to God. We're not loyal. How much would it take for you to give up Jesus? What, what could the world offer you? And I thought about this. There's nothing this world has that would make me want to give up Jesus because I'm, uh, Jesus is everything. And, the, and we find people in today's society sacrificing everything to grab hold of as many millions as they possibly can. You think, well, well you're not taking it with you, dude. And, and, and you're going to check out of here. And then what? And as our Savior reminded us, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? I'm happy with a little portion, a little piece here that God gave me to call my own in the meantime, but I know at the end of the day I'm leaving it behind. I've overcome the world. Again, they are the children of God. The term born again is used twice in this section. People think the term born again is only found in John's gospel. Well, Peter uses it, being born again not of corruptible seed. And John uses the term born again. It's a, it's a Bible term that we must use. I say, I'm, I'm saved because I've been born with a new spirit who dwells within me. 
I'm overcoming the world. So three times, here he uses the phrase, overcoming the world. Again, nothing wrong with you advancing, getting an education, making money, and buying things. And as long as you, at the end of the day, these things don't possess you, you or they don't possess you, you possess them to, to use for whatever purpose God may have for you. Again, the phrase overcometh implies a battle. We are in a battle. We have to overcome. The person may end up being in a wrestling match. I used to wrestle, when, not in the teams, but we wrestled in gym class in high school and, and, uh, and had to overcome the, the person we were wrestling with. Spiritually speaking, we, we, we are wrestle. We wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against spiritual things, against darkness. We're wrestling against Satan in this world. But we have the victory. We've overcome because of the Spirit of God who indwells us, because of our nature that indwells us. This is the victory that overcometh the world. The word victory uh, is a noun form of the verb overcometh. Believers can and must have victory over the attacks by the world, lest they be defiled and defeated in their lives. And we don't want to be defeated. We want to live victorious Christian lives. We'll stumble, we'll falter, but my friend, we want to be victorious at the end of the day. As a nation, we don't want to be a defeated nation. We don't want an enemy to come here and, and overtake us. And to, and to suffer defeat would be a terrible thing. Can you imagine? I often thought about this. And can you imagine what it would be like to be a citizen in Japan? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be a citizen in Germany knowing that you're losing the war? And how, how terrible it would be to know you're losing a war. Now, it's justifiable that they lost. But I've often thought about them. What, what, what is going to happen to us? And for Germany, it was absolutely horrible in respect to what the Russians did to the citizens of Germany. The Germans were often told to if flee, flee to the Americans, <laughs> run to the Americans, get away from the Russians. And those who were not able to flee suffered horribly. But can you imagine what it must be like to, to lose? Can you imagine what it must be like if it was an American to lose, if we lost our nation and we had to bow to another nation? It would be terrible. I wouldn't enjoy that. I'd still serve God. We have church on Sunday. They may burn us down and kill us, but we'd still have church on Sunday until they took us out. But the believer, as believers, we overcome demonic spirits. We overcome the things of this world through Christ who enables us and helps us to overcome. And we can overcome. So I couldn't help it, preach. No, you can. Because you have the Spirit of God indwelling you who's promised to help you and give you victory over these things. So how do we know we are saved? Well, again, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we get saved and we know we're saved because His Spirit of God helps us to love one another and it helps us to overcome this world. Those are some ways in which we, John is encouraging the saints of God here in their faith that they may mature and grow. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Jesus Christ who loved us and died on Calvary's cross and paid our sin debt. And Lord, any victory, any joy, anything we have, we owe to our Savior who provided it all for us through Calvary. And I pray, dear Lord, you help the saints of God here today, many who may be struggling, and, and, uh, and, and help them realize, Lord, the battle's not theirs but yours. And that we simply walk behind our Savior. You do not drive us, but you lead us. So help us, shepherd, as sheep to follow, that, Lord, you'll take care of us and you'll